in uh, our journey through Acts that the church has been on. Don't worry if you've not been joining in with that. But um, uh, we've been going through the book of Acts privately in our own devotions, in the house groups, and on a Sunday by Sunday. So just a reminder of where we're up to in the book of Acts. Just to remind you that Luke wrote Luke's Gospel, and then he wrote the book of Acts, all about the early church. And uh, really, we, we start off with the Great Commission that I read out right at the start of the service, that um, uh, Jesus, before he went up to heaven and ascended into heaven, said, go and make disciples of all nations. That's our aim. And I will be with you through the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus then ascended up to heaven. That's in the first chapter of, of Acts. And he told people to wait for the Holy Spirit. They waited and then the Holy Spirit came upon them at Pentecost. And it empowered the people to, uh, to do extraordinary things. Like Peter who had let Jesus down so badly. He was empowered to stand up and preach and to teach. He was the leader of that early church, the rock on which the church was built. There was difficulties in the church, uh, one of which was, was this new faith just for the Jews or was it for the non-Jews, the Gentiles? And they had that. And then God gave them that vision that it was for all. And so they acted upon that. And then there was great persecution. And there was people uh, doing all sorts of bad things to them. And Stephen was, uh, was killed. And one of the people doing that, those stuff, was Saul. But then he was miraculously converted and changed his name to Paul. And uh, the church did grow, had difficulties, it grew, and uh, all sorts of things happened. We can read about that. Saul then changed his name to Paul, and he really took over in many ways from Peter, from chapter 12 onwards. Last week, it was about the first missionary journey that Paul went, and he, he went around the, the, uh, the area in what's now known as Turkey and uh, all over that area, setting up churches, planting churches at Antioch, at Cyprus and Galatia. And now he's set about his second missionary journey. And Colin's going to bring to us part of, uh, of that, that journey. And why you've got your map is we're going to look at where he went, but I'm going to guide you through it. So what I'd encourage you to do is just listen to Colin, listen to God's word for a start, and then we'll look in detail about where he was going. So don't be worried about all the names. Well, Colin might worry about all the names, but... um, Yes. Um, uh, But we'll see the meaning of those. Thank you, Colin. So this reading is taken from Acts, chapter 16, verses 6 to 15. Paul and his companions travelled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, 
having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, who was a worshipper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Thank you, Colin. Let's unpack that a little, shall we? So, could we have the map up, please, Colin? So, that's the map that you've got, okay? Anybody not got a map? Put your hand up and somebody will come round with a map. Okay? That's fine. Just, I think it, it helps, because often in the Bible we hear about these words, where are they, what's going on, but these are real places. This is where God was working then, and hopefully he's still working there, there now, but as we think about our vision and where God wants us to work, let's look at what happened then. So... Let's have the second slide, the next slide. So the reading started off with Paul and his companions travelled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept from the Holy Spirit by, from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So I've tried to put some little arrows up there to point those out to you. So you might be able to spot them either on the screen there or on yours. Now, the, the white arrow on the right-hand side is Antioch. That's where they, there's a star on it. That's where they set out from. So Paul and the others set out from Antioch. And then the little uh, um, uh, line there with the arrows is, is where they, uh, they went. And Galatia's going vertically up. Oh, have we got a... Yes, Galatia's going vertically up. That was that region. And a, a bit of a, uh, a quiz... 
What book of the Bible was written to the church in Galatia? Galatians. It's not difficult, but it's... But often we think, oh, we'll just read from the book of Galatians and, and don't think that it was written f- to that region. And so these are real people the, with uh, uh, real lives. And then, so, and then Phrygia, that's uh, the middle one of those three arrows. Can you see that? So they went there and... Uh, and now, on his first missionary journey, Paul had been to these regions. And so when he talks about visiting these places, it wasn't just a case of Paul setting up the, the churches, sort of sowing the seed. But he also went to, there to bring oversight and to, to help them, and, and hence the need for writing these letters when he couldn't be there in person, to, just to help them and, and mature in their faith, mature in their discipleship. And then they were prevented by going to Asia, the, and uh, that's the left-hand slide of there. So where should they, they go? Well, let's look at the next slide, the next verse. When they came to the border of Mycenae, and, uh, and that's there, can you see, uh, can you see that? It's... That middle, yes, that middle arrow. So they came to that region. They tried to enter Bithynia. That's the northern one. So they've prevented, been prevented from going to Asia. Um, uh, and now they've been prevented from going to Bithynia. So what should they do? They're in this um, mess. Where's the, their, their mission going, really? But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycia and went down to Troas. And that's the left-hand uh, arrow that's on the, on the port. Have you got that? Yeah. And there they waited, seeking God's vision. What should they do? They didn't, couldn't seem to go left or right. Where, where should they go? And sometimes... God directs us as individuals negatively as they had done then. Don't go here, don't go there. And maybe God directs us as individuals and as a fellowship. No, don't do that. That's not what I want you to do. It perhaps seems a good idea, but I don't want you to do that. I want you to do something else. And that's one of the ways that God gives us his vision in the negative. Thank you, Colin. Then during the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia, and that's this region which um, is now sort of Greece, um, uh, begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And so that was a positive real indication that that is where they should uh, be. You understand they'd have the negatives, don't go there, don't go there, and then this positive vision, this is where you should go. And so that's what they did. And we hope that God gives us perhaps negative, don't do that, but also positive, 
do do that. And let's rejoice in the God who helped Paul and his companions. It's the same God. And he helps us to share that, that vision. And it was significant because although they didn't call it Europe at that time, it is Europe, it's Greece. And uh, even though they, uh, they lost against the Faroe Islands last, last night, they're still rejoicing that uh, Paul and his companions went over to Greece and brought the gospel to Greece, brought the gospel to Europe. And Europe then became the, uh, the, the center for great missionary works in, in America and in Asia and in every continent of the world. And it started, perhaps you could say, there. And sometimes those missionaries were led negatively, like David Livingstone you may have come across, was he wanted to go to China. That's where he thought he, he was to go. But he was prevented from going to China, but allowed and encouraged to go to Africa. And then, he, of course, he became a great missionary in Africa. So let's rejoice that they did go into Europe. Next slide, please. That is Macedonia. But not as you uh, perhaps think. It's not in, uh, in Greece. That's in Failsworth. Anybody ever been to Failsworth? Sort of Manchester way. Oldham. And uh, when that church was built in the 1850s, the first reading on the first Sunday that they had in the church was... And Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And it just grew up as like a nickname. And now that's now called Macedonia United Reformed Church. All from that first sermon. Just a little bit of trivia, really. Except that church was completely unsuitable there's a small congregation, elderly congregation. What's their vision? The church was falling down. The church was cold. The heating failed last winter. What should they do? That is exactly what they did do. But they had the vision. God hasn't finished with the fellowship yet. And as I speak... The church isn't finished, but it's now got a roof on, and that the, the, they will be in a worshipping in a new building, far more suited to today's generation with community activities. And, and that small group of people had the vision that God hadn't finished with them yet. And it's been a real struggle. I know the minister, and for the past few years, it's been a real struggle. But they're getting there, Macedonia. Let's go back to um, uh, the map, shall we? Next slide, please. So from Troas, there, the, uh, the right-hand arrow, we put out to sea and sailed right to, I think it's Samothrace, is that what you, yeah, you just, um, uh, yeah, just speak confidently, that's the way, yes, and... Um, 
Uh, and we'll see that in a moment. That's just a little island there. And then the next day, on to Neapolis. And from there, travelled to Philippi. Little question. What book of the New Testament is, um, um, uh, was written to the church at Philippi? Philippians, yes. You see, it's, um, it's interesting to think about these things. But there wasn't a church at Philippi at this stage. They got to get there first and set it up. So uh, let's, uh, let's have a look at the, the next slide. So that's, you can still go there today. Samothrace, it's um, just a little island and they, uh, they sailed and they stopped there and then they, uh, they sailed on. And the next slide. And uh, there was, a, thanks, thanks to the Romans, there was a good road um, around this area, the Via Ignatia from Neapolis to Philippi and that's what it looks like now. And so they could travel and, uh, and go down there. using the facilities that was there. And while we were there, they, uh, they preached and they shared the gospel. And uh, the person that uh, in the Bible reading that we had today was Lydia. The Bible actually talks about three people who were, were converted. And uh, it was just for convenience, I just chose chose that one. But it's interesting the difference of the three people. Lydia, she was a, a businesswoman. She was a dealer in purple cloth, which was the most expensive cloth. So she was a, a businesswoman, travelled presumably, she wasn't naive, and she saw a reality in the gospel. The other two was a, a servant girl with problems, very different sort of person. She has also saw the reality of, of, uh, of the gospel. And then Paul ended up in prison because of persecution in that place. But the jailer became a Christian and he was a, a Roman, a Gentile. And so... Let's rejoice that the gospel then just came to those different people. And still today, the gospel comes to different people with different needs, different aspirations. And it's interesting in, in verse 14 of, uh, of what uh, Colin read to us, it says this, The Lord opened her heart, that's Lydia, to respond to Paul's message. And just take a note of the, uh, the words there. It was Paul's message. He actually did that. Uh, he gave the message. But it was the Lord who opened her heart. Paul didn't force her to believe. He couldn't do that. It was the Lord who opened up her heart. And Rosie shared about the, the dance of cooperation it's the Lord's work. It's the Lord's vision. It's the Lord's mission. That's what we're after. And we cooperate with that like a dance. And some of us, and I can speak from personal experience, are very poor at dancing. And some of us sometimes are very poor at following God's mission. 
Some of us are naturally much better at dancing or can learn, can't they, Brian, how to dance? And some of us are naturally better at following God's mission or we can learn. And sometimes we get it wrong, sometimes we get it right and learn. But it's God's mission. And when we're looking at our mission, our vision, it's not our vision, it's God's vision, God's mission, but how we can, we can co- cooperate with him in that. What, how we can play a part as Paul played a part. Is that okay? Let's move on. And then the missionary journey continued. Um, we won't have the reading now, but um, they, uh, they went to uh, Thessalonica, which is um, uh, down there, um, the top left arrow. Do you know what question I'm going to ask you? What New Testament book... <laughs> was to the church in Thessalonica. Anybody want to? Thessalonians, yeah. So if, if these are a bit confusing, just grab your Bible later and just look through. And, uh, but it just perhaps just helps us to, uh, to think. If these words are unfamiliar to you, don't worry about it. But, and then uh, they, uh, they went to, to Athens, and we'll hear that reading in a bit. There wasn't a letter to the church in Athens. And then um, uh, Corinth, the left hand of those two arrows. What New Testament? Yes, Brian. (laughs) Corinthians, yes. The first letter to the Corinthians and the second letter to Corinthians. And all of the the problems and joys. And when we have communion, it's read from the book of of Corinthians because they were having trouble with the, 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 how do we do the, the Lord's Supper and things like that. So hopefully this just brings us it, the New Testament, not only the book of Acts, to, to life. And uh, on this journey, they, uh, they, they also went to, uh, to Ephesus there. Anybody ever been to Ephesus? There, one or two, yes. I understand it's quite impressive, isn't it? So you can still visit Ephesus and... And, and still see what's there. But I wonder if anybody could tell me what book of the New Testament was written to the... Yes, Nathan. Ephesians, brilliant, yes. And uh, these are real places, real people, and we still have those, those letters now to give us inspiration and guidance. And then Paul continued on his journey. Let's, um, before we, uh, we go on, let's hear God's word when, the, uh, the, when Paul did get to, to Athens. Um, sorry, I just want to say a little bit more. Are you okay standing there? Athens was a great place of learning. You, you may be aware of Socrates and um, Plato and Aristotle. Now, they were historical figures then. You know, they were in the past. And really, Athens had, had declined a bit uh, when Paul got there. But still, there was some great architecture. Still, there was great learning. And still, the, uh, they, they, they felt it was this place where these famous um, um, philosophers and theologians had, uh, had, had met. And Paul went there. 
perhaps a little bit in awe, I don't know. But it, in the Bible it says that he was disappointed because the place was full of idols. I wonder if Paul visited us. Perhaps he'd be impressed, perhaps about the technology and what had been achieved, but maybe, I wonder if he'd be disappointed, perhaps, in other aspects. Anyway, let's see what Paul said um, uh, at Athens. Thank you, Mike. So the first part is Acts 17, verses 22 to 23. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Oropagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. Now what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. And Acts 17, verses 29 to 8. Sorry, 17 verse 29 to 18 verse 1. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has sent a day, he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof to this to all men by raising him from the dead. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of the Oropagus, and also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. So that mention at the end that Paul went to Corinth and set up the church that the book of Corinthians was written to. Yes, please, Colin. That's the Oropagus. That's where the scene that Mike's just read was set. And... On the right-hand side, you can see perhaps a, a black rectangle. That's a, a plaque that has that reading on it. And if you go to Athens, anybody been to Athens? Yes, one or two. You might have been there, you might have seen this. It's real places, real people. Just a few years ago, and he spoke to the people there, and did you notice what he said? He said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. And perhaps they were pleased with that. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an ungo unknown God. And they probably just nodded. Now what you worship as something unknown, I am going to proclaim to you. And he began to tell them who this unknown God was. What a brilliant sermon start. He, he got them from where they were. He, the, they were at that point of, of knowing that there was an unknown God. And he says, I know who it is. 
And then he began to, uh, to preach to them the gospel. And that is a great example to us of meeting people where they are and trying to bring them on in the faith. This is discipleship. In a moment, we're going to look at sowing and planting and harvesting. This is a growth of faith. And that's what Paul was doing. Starting where they were, sowing the seed of where they were, but then drawing them on so that they could respond, and some did respond. Let us rejoice that God still leads us to do that. Let's just move on. Books of the New Testament. Let's just have a, a look at those just to reiterate. There's some historical books. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Gospels. Okay. And then there's Acts that we're reading through at the moment. And then, and then there's what's called the Pauline Epistles. In other words, Paul wrote them. And we've already looked at some of them. Romans will come later when he... After been to Rome, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians 1 and 2 Thessalonians. We've mentioned those and where they were based. These were to, uh, to real places. And then these that were written to people, 1 and 2 Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. So does that help? Does that bring that New Testament a little bit more alive? Next slide. And then also in the New Testament, there's some... Um, writings that were not written by, uh, by Paul and, uh, and those uh, are them. But they were written at a similar time and uh, in similar circumstances. Thank you. So just to end, I'd like to, us to look at the stages of, of spiritual growth. Like Paul in Athens started with the unknown God. And then started there. And so that was like sowing. Sowing the seeds. They'd already got a seed of faith and he wanted to, to, to sow that. Let's think how it might work with us. On Saturday, it's a tea party in the park. Did you know that? Yes. Did you know that, Brian? Yes. Let's say somebody comes along to that. Um, uh, let's call that person Chris. So it could be a male or a female. Although I may just drift into calling him or her, but you know what I mean. could be anybody. They come along just because they just happen to notice it. And that's like just sowing a seed. They might say, oh, who's done this? What's this? Oh, there's a church there. And it's just sowing, sowing the, the seed. And we we're not expecting them to um, uh, instantly come to faith at that point. But it's just sowing the seed of faith. It, like it, perhaps if we have an apple tree, we sow this, have to sow the seed. That's where we start. And in our groups, in our activities, actions of the of the church that some of the times our, our groups are focusing on that of sowing that seed maybe as she's there she picks up 
um, uh, a leaflet about the, the church. Next slide. And that's moving into planting. Some of these are grey areas. You know, when is it sowing? When is it planting? But you, you get the thing, if you've got an apple tree, if the tree, if the seed's germinated, then you have to plant it out. And, um, and uh, you go and... And maybe as she picks up that leaflet, um, uh, well, maybe myself, I'm on the um, church stool, and I might say, oh, it's the Father's Day service tomorrow. Would you, um, uh, would you like to come? Yes, Carol. No, that, um, that you, you, you're quite right. Not about you, but sometimes what we do or don't do, does, people, does put people off. That's quite true. And, and our aim in, the, in this discipleship leading is to go in positively. Sometimes, you know, we can get it, get it wrong. And so we do need to be uh, aware of that. And, and it's not... I, I use this, Chris's example of coming to church, but it, you know, it's, it's not all about coming to church. It, it's coming to faith. And, uh, you know, she or he may come to faith, uh, we hope, and, and go to another church or, or whatever. That, that, that's okay, but I'm just using it as an example. So there's sowing and then there's planting. Just getting a, a little bit more of, uh, of God. Next one. And then there's harvesting. And this is the bit that often we struggle with. You see, Chris started coming along to church and... Uh, and they enjoyed it, and, uh, and it, was, uh, it was good. And, and then eventually they thought, I wonder you know, what, what I should do. Should I make a commitment? And then, thankfully, we've got an Alpha course going on at the moment. And so the person went on an Alpha course and, and came to faith and, um, and uh, became a member and, uh, and joy. And so that's harvesting. You know, like when we can pick the apple off the tree. This is my lunch later, but it doubles up. And we rejoice in that, that somebody's come to faith. But there's more in discipleship. That's not the end of it when somebody comes to faith. Move on. There's nurturing. And nurturing happens all the way through, but we've just sort of identified this. In that they need to grow as disciples. And some of us have come to faith, but then... If we're honest, are we really growing in the faith? Chris joined a small group, um, a house group, and, and that was a real nurturing experience for them. And an apple tree, when it starts to produce fruit and you harvest it, you have to perhaps prune a bit or, um, or, or feed it. And, and there's this growth, there's this um, uh, discipleship. And then the last one, please. And then flourishing. Now we love it when an apple tree flourishes and produces fruit after fruit after fruit. Now we love it when people flourish and, uh, and produce spiritual fruit after fruit after fruit. And how they sow seeds to others. And that's not only at this stage, that can be earlier on. How they begin to disciple others. How wonderful that is. Maybe 
for Chris, the small group leader can't make it one week. And Chris says, well, I'll do it. And she's, or he is growing in that uh, discipleship, growing in faith. We as a church need to be growing disciples. We need to be growing ourselves as individuals and as a fellowship. Because a group can help individuals to grow and as a fellowship to grow. We need to be growing in discipleship, growing in witnessing, growing in, in, in sowing the seeds of faith, sowing um, uh, in other people's lives, of, of planting, of nourishing, of, of harvesting. Somebody came to us and said, how do you become a Christian? Would we know what to say? If, if not, we need to know that so we can help them. And as a body, we need to be doing this. These, this is not new. This church has been doing this since 1662. But it needs to be relearned in all the times. And then out of discipleship, hopefully comes acts of service. As we grow more and more in discipleship, then we want to serve more and more in our community, in our homes, at our work, and give, and give what God wants us to give. So this afternoon is, is part of the process of, of discerning what we do as groups, what we don't do, what we should do, what we shouldn't do, so that we can be a better disciple-making church, like those early churches that were there. Let us imagine what this church could be like if we concentrate on just for a moment thinking about that flourishing, that flourishing in our own lives and in the life of the church. Just imagine how wonderful that is. Perhaps we need to acknowledge that it's not there. But we can be having that vision, keep our eye on that jack, keep our eye on the, the future, and follow his will. Just as the band come up to lead us in our final songs, just imagine that flourishing imagine and let's let's pray Lord God we come before you we thank you for those stories of Paul and his missionary journeys and the excitement and the things that went right, the things that went wrong, the, the guidance that you gave him. Lord, we pray for that guidance for us. We pray for that guidance this afternoon. We pray for that guidance now as we sing these songs, as we reflect on the, on the sermon. Lord God, just help us for a moment to imagine the flourishing. Imagine this this church flourishing in all sorts of ways, in faith, in numbers, in, in service to our community. Lord God, 
Help us to look before to that. And as individuals, Lord, help us to, to look to flourishing, to flourishing in faith, to flourishing in, in growth, in discipleship, to flourishing in acts of service. Lord God, we pray for flourishing lives, for flourishing church. Lord God, hear us as we sing now and speak to us, Lord. Begin speaking to us or just confirm what you've already said. Lord God, we pray our prayers in Jesus' name. Amen.